All right, this is show number 39. 39 episodes I have so far. That's pretty crazy. But um, yeah, this one, I did some research and I have uh, episodes and I have edits and I have all sorts, well, not edits, I have episodes and I have clips. Jeez, episodes. I have articles, I have clips, I have links. Show notes will be full of stuff for you. But here's how we're going to start this. So I have a format I'm going to follow, which is just here's some notes, talk about it. And that's what I'm going to do. So we're going to start off with COVID numbers and news. COVID is everywhere in the news and in people. So we're going to start with that. So as far as the news would have, you know, COVID is the worst it's ever been. But if you listen to the words they use, it's not even close. So we're going to start off with the COVID numbers and news. Now I'm getting my statistics from a specific website and that'll be in the show notes. So you can check that out. But based on the statistics that I'm getting, the death rate is what I want to talk about. And that's just something that's probably going to be updated every other episode, maybe once a month, because it shouldn't change. It, it, it shouldn't. There's no reason it should. But the death rate is what I want to talk about. And that death rate is, well, I'll give you a second here. I'll give you a second. Go ahead and guess it. Guess what the, guess, guess what the death rate should be or is. And I'll give you a second. Go ahead and just take your time. All right, the death rate, I'll just say it um, because, you know, you had enough time anyways, and I should just say it anyways. The death rate is 0.000166. It goes farther, but I I rounded up to that number. Uh, I could have done one six. I could have even done just one, but it's just whatever. So and that's with a that's with one million three hundred and fifteen thousand seven hundred and ten people dead or coded that way at the hospital. Now, I'm not sure if the. Uh, false codes have been factored into that because that's something that was in the news recently. And CDC even said only 6% of all deaths recorded by CDC should be taken into account. So we'll just negate all that and assume that this number, the 1.3 million, is the exact number of deaths that should be recorded. Um, Back in May, we were worried about a 0.5% death rate in America alone. That's America alone. That's what uh, Ben Shapiro said back then. And I wish I listened long enough to the episode and clipped it so you could hear exactly what he said about it, hear him saying that specifically. But I didn't, so that's my bad. I don't think I'm going to go through all of his episodes to try and find it, but that was back in May. And just so we know, at that point, at a 0.5% death rate, The death toll should have been, in America alone, should have been 389,357,187. And then some odd remainder, but we're not going off remainders. It's a big difference. A massive difference, some might say. Now, it's just me not liking the numbers that there are out there, and I just don't really trust authority anymore because of all the crap that I'm seeing in the world, but, um, that leads, I'm, I'm, whatever, that right there is going to be how I open some of these shows from now on, just with the news and numbers so we can have, well, the news is coming next, but those are the numbers, um, that's just so we can have a reference recorded in history so someone can look back and say, oh, well, that doesn't match up with what the news is saying, so either way, the news is something that comes out of the UK, and it's about COVID-free wristbands or certificates could encourage testing, is what UK advisors are saying. And there's a link to this article in the show notes, but here's a uh, section that I pulled out for um, my own reading and for your own listening. 
says testing in Slovakia, which has a population of 5.5 million, was not mandatory, but those who tested negative were issued with paper certificates printed by the state-owned mint. These allowed people to escape a strict quarantine and go to work, shops, and outdoor exercise, or outdoors for exercise. Shops and employees, as well as police, were given new powers, and remember that, given new powers to demand spot checks of their certificates. The BIT said, and that's their version of um, some sort of authoritative agency that um, gives out all the rules, kind of like their health advisors, uh, said this was a major incentive to get tested, and the UK could build on it by distributing paper wristbands along with certificates to those who test negative for easier recognition of whether they can enter venues. And keep in mind here, at the end it says that they could enter venues, as if that's the only reason they'll ever be using this, as if they could enter a venue, as in a street fair or a football game or soccer game. That's not, that's not the end game. All right, nobody's stupid. We don't believe that that's the end game, is that you're just not going to be able to enter a football game. Anyways. I should stop saying anyways. I should say anyway. Whatever. Um, I want to go back to that part where it says that they were given new powers. I recorded an episode a little while ago in which I um, I talked about how once you give someone more power than they normally have, it's nearly impossible. It bar- it's, it's barely possible to get that power back. And that's something that people will crave. I mean, they pretty much crave it. You know, it's You don't give someone some sort of power they've never had and then expect them to give it back, especially whenever they've never had that before in their life. And an example I gave in one of those previous episodes was a gas station attendant. That gas station attendant, is re- their, their job really is only to service the people who come through their doors in whatever way they choose without having to deal with anyone who's uh, violent. You know, So if that person is uh, aggressive even, you still pretty much have the obligation to serve that person. But if they're violent, you don't. But up until that, I mean, there's a fine line and you can test it yourself, but... Still, that's essentially the bounds you have. But you're given new powers in the sense that you can say you're not allowed in this store and you're not allowed to shop here and I get to choose if you're allowed to because I've been granted this power by the powers that be. So this outfit in the UK, the BIT, gave new powers to shops and employers as well as police to be able to hand out these certificates and allow people in or out of venues or really anywhere. So the point that I'm making is that they're never going to give that up, ever. I mean, why? You know, and, and if even if the laws and regulations pull back where there's no official thing on paper anymore, do you really think that someone's not going to continue with the nonsense? They'll find some reason to exert their authority. Some reason. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what. They might go even harder on the no shirt, no shoes, no service deal. There's something that we'll have to give for those. They won't give it up. That's the point. The point is, the more power you give someone, the harder it is to ever take that power away. And I don't believe that that power will ever be taken away. So uh, moving on to that, I want to do another section. That's just, that's my COVID rant for the day, uh, the episode. Next thing I want to bring up is a clip I took, and it's going to be harder for me to get these clips because I switched out iPhones and this one isn't jailbroken, so I can't, I mean, I don't know how I'm going to get these clips anymore. I might be able to find a way, but for now, this might be the last of it, unless I can find some, I'll, I'll figure it out. But um, this clip is from the Grimerica podcast, 
and I can't remember which episode number it was. I had it in the notes, but I didn't, it's not here. Either way, it's uh, on the Industrial Society and its future clip, or it's it's on the Industrial Society and its future. They did a recording of Ted Kaczynski's manifesto, and it's a four hour long episode, and it's it's just just what he wrote. There's no there's no opinions. It's just exactly what he wrote, word for word. So that's what I want to play for you right here, and I want to talk about that. So I'm going to play this for you. Go ahead and enjoy while it's there, and um, yeah, we'll talk about it afterwards. But revolutionaries work to gain a powerful reward fulfillment of their revolutionary vision and therefore work harder and more persistently than reformers do. Number 142. Reform is always restrained by the fear of painful consequences if changes go too far. But once a revolutionary fever has taken hold of a society, People are willing to undergo unlimited hardships for the sake of their revolution. This was clearly shown in the French and Russian revolutions. It may be that in such cases only a minority of the population is really committed to the revolution, but this minority is sufficiently large and active so that it becomes the dominant force in society. We will have more to say about revolution in paragraphs 180 to 205. Okay, so what I wanted to point out in that recording, that clip, and I I think it it turned out well, but what I wanted to point out in that clip is that the main point of his article was to talk about how extreme liberals are the ones who will use these tactics. But it's not only the extreme liberals that can end up using these tactics. That's what I wanted to talk about. This can be used by anyone, right? Anyone who wants to cause a revolution, anyone who wants to do... These tactics need to be studied in the sense that, or in the way that people study uh, Sun Tzu's art of war, where anyone can use these tactics to screw over anyone else. You can't just expect it to come from one side. And that's something that kind of hit me right there. The right can use this just as easily, where we're talking about revolution, right? Here's something that I was thinking about. You don't see any, at least I don't, because I'm on conservative YouTube and I'm on conservative Google, so they might be hiding things from me um, as far as seeing the right go crazy in the same way that I got all this propaganda from the left going crazy when Trump was elected. So I'm not sure. But as far as I can see it, I don't see any outrage from the right with the stupid decision or just the coverage of the media and Joe Biden's so-called election. Now, if he did get elected, then that's just fine. You know, it's not, I mean, we'll have to deal with it. But I don't see any insane outrage. I don't see people screaming in the streets. I see people upset because they say, hey, it wasn't fair. But I don't see any screaming in the streets. But that doesn't mean that they can't use the same tactics that are spoken about in this article, where... Or let's say it this way. If the right wanted to, the right could use the exact same tactics that the left is or could use in in what is written in this uh, manifesto, where they would do a where they would be a revolution of sorts, where you would tear down existing structures of society, and where you tear down existing structures of society and 
not even rebuild, just completely tear it down. Meaning, let's say that, say that the left got what they wanted, where Joe Biden and Kamala Harris become president-elect and vice president-elect, and, and even eventually to president and vice president. Well, at some point, the right could decide, hey, you know what? We don't like the direction this is going because we can see, we can see where it's going based on um, the policies that are being talked about, the positions of power that are being put into place with the people who are being put in there. All this good stuff. I'm not a political analyzer, so I can't tell exactly what's going to happen. But from what I hear, it's going to be negative. And from what I can understand by their own words, it's going to be negative. But if the right sees that and they think, you know what, what we're going to do, we're going to destroy the system from the top down, completely destroyed. You can't, you can't have a revolution where you just reform. Reform isn't possible because you have to reform everything at once. And with the, what was it that I said before? I said on another podcast before this, another episode that technology can either stay stagnant or continue at its current pace and you know whatever exponential pace it moves at it can never go backwards same thing with reform it can either stay stagnant at where it is or continue forward it can never go backwards at all it has to either be torn down completely and restarted from a different perspective or continue forward or stay stagnant now staying stagnant isn't a possibility with really anything in the world everything moves forward now how fast it moves forward is another story if you're going to restart it completely, that's what can happen from either side, either side. And that's something I wanted to bring up from the uh, the manifesto, that it's aimed at the left, but it can also be taken to the right. So watch both sides. Don't ever look at it like, oh, well, the left are the negative ones and they're the only ones who will ever do this just because there's a manifesto written about them. And it, even if it's as accurate as can be, it doesn't matter. It can still come from the other side. Even though it's not as likely, it still can. Anyways, enough about that. I had a um, conversation with a friend last Sunday about the Reformed Christian faith or Calvinism. And I agree nearly 100% with that that worldview, that, um, what you call it, not religion, that, uh, what do you call it? Sect? No. Denomination, geez, how, how did it be that? How was it that hard to figure that out? Um, I agree nearly 100% with that denomination. And there's a few things that I have questions on as to how they came to their current understanding of, uh, man, I'm not, I'm not a lost for words. I should have written this down in the notes. I just have a talking point and then talk about it because it's from memory. But I have a few qualms with the way they perform certain things in the church. Now, they follow the catechisms that they have written out, and that's just fine. That's not what I have qualms with. Um, the one thing that I have a hard time understanding as far as um, the way they practice their faith, that's the phrase I was looking for, the way they practice it, is the idea of infant baptism. So that's something that I'm going to speak with um, this gentleman about tonight. And hopefully get some clarity on what he meant by, or what they, he's not like the arbiter of faith or the person you're supposed to talk to when you want to get, when you want to have a debate or anything. But he, he does know his stuff and it'd be great to get an understanding from him on how they've come to this understanding. And I also have a copy of a book written by um, a reverend from the faith. And I also have one of the Psalters that has the catechisms in the back. So I can do my own research and I've done a little bit and I'm going to put that in the notes and hopefully next Sunday I can have, or if this is going to be a Sunday show, it'll be a Sunday show, a Sunday special, something, but I'll have some notes on that. I just want to make sure that that's in the works. Um, 
but let's get back to today's show. So that's something to look forward to. And then now today's show, here's something, this is guy, this is kind of like the main event. There's two, uh, three, two, three, four, about four more topics that I wanted to topic. Um, a few of them are just like written out. So I'm just going to read them out to you and not really give any commentary because it's good enough. So today's show, here's an the article for this is in the show notes and that's kind of be, it's going to be a theme. So if you look at the show notes, it should be titled exactly the same as every topic that's covered. So topic is the, it's called your computer isn't yours. And I'm just going to read this out real quick, a section. Whenever I get bored, I'll stop and continue on, but here's what it is. It says that it turns out that in the current version of Mac OS, the OS sends to Apple a hash or a unique identifier of each and every program you run and when you run it. Lots of people didn't realize this because it's silent and invisible and fails instantly and gracefully when you're offline. But today, the server got really slow and didn't hit the fail fast code path and everyone's apps failed to open if they were connected to the internet. This means that Apple knows when you're at home, when you're at work, what apps you open there and how often. They know when you're at uh, when you open Premiere over at a friend's house on their Wi-Fi, and they know when you open a tour browser in a hotel on a trip to another city. Who cares? I hear you asking. Well, it's not just Apple. This information doesn't stay with them. And here's here's kind of where it gets a little creepy. And this is why I clipped this, and because I recently got a Mac and I use Apple products. I'm using that now for this recording, and it's just. I don't know if it's baked into other things as well. They just found it on Mac and the version of Big Sur that came out. But here's what it says. It says, these OCSP requests are transmitted unencrypted. Everyone who can see the network can see these, including your ISP and anyone who has tapped their cables. That's important. Uh, these requests go to a third-party CDN run by another company. Akamai? Akamai? I don't know how to pronounce that. It's it's there. You can look it up. Uh, since October of 2012, Apple is a partner of the U.S. military intelligence community's PRISM spying program. PRISM, like a um, light PRISM thing, not, not a prison, um, which grants the U.S. federal police and military unfettered access to this data without a warrant anytime they ask for it. And then here's another link that says, uh, in the first half of 2019, they did this over 18,000 times and another 17,500 times in the second half of 2019. So it's not like it's not being used. You don't just sign this deal and expect it to not be used at all. And it sounds kind of relatively low when you think about how many people actually own Macs. But still, that's a lot. And who knows if you're on that list. So just mentioning that so people know. And um, let's get to the next one. <laughs> I titled this one, Keep those Phalange <laughs> Keeping Those Phalange Prints for Later. It's actually titled Keeping Those Fingerprints for Later, but hey, there it is. And it's this is a New World Order section of it. So um, I'll go ahead and and mention this to you because it's pretty pretty strange why, why they would need this. And it says it's for national security, but hey. So it says to have an effect, this is where I clip it from, but to have effect on a date during the period that starts with October 1st, 2020 and ends with the 24th of March, 2021. And this is, uh, I guess, subsection three of this article that I clipped. The retention of the fingerprints or DNA profiles under the national security determination determination may continue for a further period of six months, starting with the date on which the national security determination would otherwise have ceased to have effect. Regulation five provides the meaning of the national security retention condition, which is used in regulations three and four. It provides that fingerprints or DNA profiles are retained in the interest of national security if a con or if a constable or civilian staff, or I guess this isn't um, 
this isn't us i don't think i think this one is in the uh in the uk as well but let's continue on yeah, constables we don't have constables or a civilian here's actually let me read this again i stepped over that um it says it provides that fingerprints or dna profiles are retained in the interest of national security if a constable or a civilian staff member of a police force has notified the controller of the fingerprints and DNA profiles that they may be relevant in the interest of national security. I don't know if you caught all that tone inflection right there, but a civilian staff member can tell someone at the police station, and this could be anyone, it could be completely anonymous, so you, they can fake that. You don't have to have an actual civilian tell you that someone is acting um, against nationals or in... Uh, not in accordance in, with national security or whatever. They're going against national security, whatever you want to call it. A full impact assessment has not been produced for this instrument as no or no significant impact on private, voluntary, public sector is foreseen. So in other words, they didn't do an assessment of how this rule would affect anyone because they don't see a significant impact on private, voluntary, or public sector. They don't see this being a problem for anyone. So they didn't do an assessment on how this might affect anything. Just food for thought right there. So, enough with all the negativity. Let's get a word from the Urban Dictionary. It's called <laughs> testaline. <laughs> definition is perjury by witnesses during a trial to strengthen the prosecution's case. Some of the testimony in the O.J. Simpson trial was alleged to be testaline. So, there's, um, there's your word from the Urban Dictionary, your Urban Dictionary word of the day. I wanted to make sure and mention that, and that's going to be part of it. Just a little bit of education you know, for us all in the urban world nowadays. So I have two more topics to cover and then we'll be um, cutting this one out. So uh, this one actually kind of got me going and I wanted to talk about this a lot. So I'm going to make some time right now. So this is about podcasting and the features that are going to come in podcasting. So there's Adam Curry and Dave Jones are uh, the, well, Adam Curry is the inventor of podcast and Dave Jones is his kind of sidekick. I mean, he's actually kind of like Batman behind the scenes, but he's, he's doing most of all the coding work while Adam Curry has all the thoughts. So uh, they got what's going into the podcasting index for podcasting 2.0, a tag that would be used in any of the podcasting apps and players that are going to be created or are, are created currently. And this tag that they have now that's in the works is called the transcript tag. And what that'll do is that'll give you the opportunity to go through any podcast player and either add or search through a transcript for a specific podcast. Now, obviously, adding the transcript should be on the shoulders of the podcaster, or maybe it's going to be on the host for a small fee. I'm not sure how it's going to be implemented, but it will be there. What got me going on this is that the No Agenda show, the one that Adam Curry is the host on, it had, and I think it still has, transcripts of every episode. Now, I haven't looked for the transcripts in a while, so it might just be the older ones, but it has a search engine built just on what research has been done by the No Agenda crew. So the point of this is that someone could take all those transcripts and create a like a search engine based on anyone's specific podcast. So let's say you're, you're subscribed to a podcast on tech. And you want to do a search for something that has to do with tech. Well, you don't want to get a search that's coming from someone who does makeup tutorials. It's just talking about some sort of microphone that they use, which it's it's valid in its own right, but it's not it's not worth it 
for you as a tech enthusiast. You want to listen to what that tech enthusiast or every bit of research he's done has to say about it or her or whoever runs that podcast or maybe a multitude of podcasts. Someone can create a search engine based on all the transcripts that have been written by every podcast in that space. So basically, you can have a search engine that's called the Joe Rogan the Joe Rogan search engine. You can have a uh, Grumpy Old Ben's search engine. You can have a uh, TechCast search engine. You can have TechCrunch search. It's literally anything because it's as easy as creating a transcript, creating a dictionary, or uh, yeah, a dictionary out of that in a JSON format. I think I'm getting this right, or maybe I'm just talking out of my butt here, but still, it can be done very not very easily, but the tools are going to be built there to make it as easy as possible in the future, which I think is just great. What I want to be made is right, and I I want free things, but I'm not naive to think that something's going to have to be paid, and currently there are resources out there that are paid and some that are like freemium, so you can use them for a certain amount until, they're, until you have to pay, which this podcast would fall into that, and most on the internet would fall into that, but some like Joe Rogan, like Adam Curry's show, like a few of these other ones, they wouldn't fall into that that category. So still, what I'd like to have made is a Python or other open source program that would effectively transcribe audio because there's a few out there that just don't work very well. So I want something that's user-friendly that that can be used for that. It would be great. I think it would be great, but that's just me. So... Continuing, I think, no, well, this is kind of the last statement that I'll say. So what I wanted to talk about is a, um, something that I didn't think I'd agree with at all ever, because I've always gotten a different perspective on it as far as, um, being educated or learning about it. And that's wealth taxes. So wealth taxes are usually proposed by socialists because they want to tax people who just make a lot of money and, people who don't work at all will be able to benefit from it. Now, that's the wealth distribution side of it, of the taxes that we put on the wealthy. As far as the distribution side of it, I'm not going to concern myself with this, and I don't think this article does either, unless it makes a point to um, distribute it in the same way you would an income tax, I think is what the uh, the proposition is in this article. But uh, this article is written by John C. Dvorak, and his understanding or his argument he's placing forward is that the Wealth tax should just be a modified version of uh, income tax or property tax. So I'll just go ahead and read it real quick for you, a little section. It says, if if seen as a modified wealth tax, property taxes do a fine job covering costs. So if you see property taxes as just a different form of wealth tax, it does just fine. It, it works. So if we just swap those two, it'll work even better. It says the wealthiest people often have no income. They have an accumulation of wealth that they can't spend fast enough. The federal income tax system brings in about, or I'm just, these are, these are just, you know, let me read it differently. I'll just read this second part. The federal income tax system brings in about $1.8 trillion a year. That's income tax. According to the Wall Street Journal, the accumulated wealth of the USA amounts to $100 trillion. Thus, the wealth tax should be 1.8% per person, based on how much comes in a year and how much the accumulated wealth in the USA for the year is. So if the wealth tax would be 1.8% per person, I'd have very low income tax, but someone who has accumulated wealth that really, and this is why 
I'm kind of against it and for it at the same time. I'm for it because these people just sit there with accumulated wealth knowing not what to do with it and they just spend it on the stupidest, most frivolous things and then they open up nonprofits which aren't nonprofits. They're for profit, but it's a 501c3, so they're going to go ahead and claim nonprofit status, which is just like a slush fund, which is just stupid to me, but whatever. Um, they would be taxed properly. The people who have the amount that they don't ever get taxed on because they don't have an income. They don't. They have wealth, accumulated wealth, and wealth isn't a problem. I'm not degrade. I'm not mad at people who have wealth. They worked for it most of the time, and they made it. 99% of the time, they made it by hard work, so I'm not worried about that. But the wealth tax, if it's 1.8%, that's not very much, even for someone making $480,000 a year. 1.8% of that, what is that? 1.8% of $400,000 a year. Is that 4,000? My math is horrible, my head math. Let's see, 400,000 times point, or 1.8. Was it 1.8? Yeah. What, uh, no, 0.18. That's how, I, how you do it. Or 108? That's 18. Yeah, 108. We'll just do one, whatever. 40,000. That's not too little. That's actually a lot. 40 grand. That's a yearly income of someone. That's actually a lot. I didn't do my math in time. I agree with him, but I disagree with him at the same time. I think there'd be a more elegant way of doing that, maybe with tax brackets. When you're at a, like wealth brackets, when you're at a certain bracket, you get taxed a certain percent. When you get to a higher bracket, you get taxed a certain percent. And I think that'd be a more elegant way of doing it instead of giving a one size fits all. Because there's never a good one size fits all anything. So. I fixed it. Awesome. I'm great. I look look at me. I hit at a helicopter with a wrench and said I fixed it. I'm great. So let's uh, let's finish this up. I think this is the longest one I've ever done in my life, and um, I might do longer ones, but not not the way I'm doing this one right now. So we'll we'll fix this. But it's it's a great one for me. I'm feeling good about it. We'll finish this off. In case you haven't noticed, I have what well, you haven't noticed because you don't see. You just hear. I have a new mic. Well, I have an old mic, but I connected it to the iPad because I got a new iPad. Uh, I got a new cord that connects it, and it, it works out great. I'm enjoying my productivity machine. It's really helping me. So one more thing. Um, something that I, I, I wanted to learn more about coffee. So I looked, and this is why a search engine for a specific podcast would be great. But the podcast player works good enough for this um, for now. But... Joe Rogan episode number 411 with Dave Asprey. He talks about how bad qual or bad coffee or low quality coffee makes you need to pee and pee clearly. And I deduced from that that light colored pee isn't really an indication of hydration because whenever I was younger in high school, um, I know no one really ever looks at the well, maybe they do and they just don't talk about it. Uh, looks at the things that are plastered in front of them when they're taking a piss at the urinal. Um, I did, and it talked about hydration and how darker colored pee means that you're dehydrated, but lightly colored pee means that you are hydrated, and peeing a lot means that you're just more hydrated, and that peeing less often means you're dehydrated. I can see how you can use syllogism to deduce that, but it doesn't really work in, uh, in well, it does work. It makes sense to your brain, but then when you hear the argument that Dave Asprey makes here, it makes more sense that way, that... When your body senses a foreign body or a foreign object in its body, as far as liquid is concerned, that is not very healthy and is considered essentially a toxin, your body will pull liquid from the rest of itself, so from your blood, from your muscles, from wherever else it'll find water, and it'll try and dilute that substance as much as possible and get it out of the body as soon as possible. 
So it'll make you pee faster and clearer because it's been diluted. And that just made so much sense in the world. And I just thought that, hey, I should share that knowledge with someone that if you have light colored pee, it's not necessarily a sign of being hydrated. It's It could be that you drank something that wasn't as healthy as it could have been beforehand. Now that works with Red Bull, that works with, <laughs> with Monster. And these other drinks, there's so much artificial coloring in there that it always comes out light green. But there you go. That's you're getting into too much information on that. And that doesn't need to be said the most. It doesn't need to be said as much as it's being said. So there's all that. Um... I think that's it. I, Since it is a new uh, machine, I lost pretty much everything because I didn't back things up properly. Actually, I did back things up properly, but when I tried to uh, restore from backup, somehow a screen time password that I sent to, that I set up like five years ago, not five years ago, that I set up like two years ago, got merged over and I didn't remember the password, so it blocked me out of everything. So I just restarted from scratch and I don't have a lot of sounds, including my son saying please share my podcast and give me five stars. So I'm going to have to re-record him saying that, but great, I can get a better recording than just the one that's in my car with the keys jingling in the background. So we're going to cut this out now and um, see you in the next one.